radical Islamists, which means there are some good people who don't ascribe to all those things, and they don't live their lives like that. And guess what? We're not a hater of any of them. What we are is we're a hater of the flesh, which is manifest when people don't have the true Lord Jesus in their life, and they're not led to, be, to have that kind of character. And so here's what happens. You think that's only in the Middle East? I'm going to tell you it's not. I'm going to tell you it's in, it's in, it's in America. I'm going to tell you that it's, it's in our schools, and I'm going to tell you that it's in our public places and at our ball games, and I'm going to tell you it's at our community events, and I'm going to tell you it's in our churches. It's the same spirit of chaos. It's the same thing that when we are not yielded fully to the Holy Spirit, when we don't come into the place where we are captive to the principles of this word, then we begin to go off and we have chaos because we're not actually submitting ourselves or subjecting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're not restricting ourselves. One of the dynamics of the word of God is that it should continually be in us to where we are constantly in the flesh decreasing. And he is increasing. That will only happen by the Spirit. And so what happens is, is that in us, this goes on. Let me show you. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you want to turn there, I'm going to be in 2 Timothy a little bit. There's this guy. It's always amazing. If you go back and look at it, um, maybe as a matter of fact, if somebody has a cross-reference, I, I didn't do this part of homework. If, if you could pull up, from, uh, from uh, this passage, 2 Timothy 3, 8 and 9, it says this way. There's this two guys that are mentioned, and Paul's using it in Timothy as he's writing this letter to his young son in the faith. And he says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose, oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres, folly was also. What's folly mean? What do you think folly is? I don't have the legal definition here, so we'll make it up. Come on. Folly is foolishness. What else? Folly is... Got it? Anybody? Okay, smartphones, get working. Let's pull up a definition. Folly. Here's what folly is. Folly means is you continue to come back to the same stinking place. We keep going around that bush, finding ourselves right back in the same mess that we were to begin with. History repeats itself. And so I continue to come back. That folly means a failure. It's a failure of any type of of systematic, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. This is who I want to be. Folly means I keep on having no fruit, no results that are really good and sustained. So I just, it's what, what always has been, always shows up again. Anybody got it yet? Of course, I'm just giving you my definition. So their folly was obvious. What does that mean? Well, how's that working out for you, Janice and Jambres? That means how's that working out for you? Go ahead, Terry. Isn't your life sometimes absurd? I mean, sometimes it can be absurd because it seems like what the devil's doing, but sometimes your life can be absurd because of what we're doing. It's like, why is this that I keep going back to this same place? Why is it that I I don't have better control over my life? Why is it that I continue to go there? That this stuff shows up, God shows me something, he puts his hand on me, 
And then he says, stop it. That's not honoring to me. And then guess what? It's, it's, maybe it's a week or two. And then here I am going back into the same stuff. And then what? God says, hey, listen to yourself. Remember what James says about the tongue? So here it is, their folly, because that means is that they're going to have some success, but that success is going to continually come tumbling down, and they're going to still be revealed for who they really are. They're a mess. Why? Because of foolishness. So here's another way. It says this in 2 Timothy 3, first, first seven verses now. See this? This is on the heels of, it's good sometimes to take Scripture and then read that passage, then come back and see what, what goes before it. Here it is. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Wow. Later on, verse 7, it skips down. It says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, being led by various impulses. How impulsive are you? How impulsive are you? I'm pretty impulsive. Seems like I get through one, one, one binge or one craving, and I master that, and I think, nope, I'm not going there. And then all of a sudden, I'm over on another impulse. And I'm like, what is it about me? And then I'm over here. You know, my daddy used to call it scatterbrained. It's like it's all jumbled up in there, and who knows what's going to show up at any given time. Wow, really? But do you know anybody like this? Think outside the box now. Think outside of your homes. Do you know anybody like that? Unloving, ungrateful, unholy, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control. When you see these scenes being piped in from CNN and Fox News and whatever news channel, and you see this chaos in these other cities, don't you think about these last times? And over a movie, a trailer? Well, I want to share from the message version with you because this is pretty cool. Now, here's the deal. We use various translations for what purpose? To expound on the word meaning so that you get the principle behind the word. Here it is. It says, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the, by the way, this is a word that goes back to, 50 to 55 to 62 AD. See, these words that were penned there, that's how far back they go. They apply today, don't they? So it says, there are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, Dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. Well, you're just a BW. Addicted to lust and allergic to God. Allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. Do you know who he's talking to again? Timothy? What's Timothy going to be doing? He's pastoring. He's pastoring. And guess what? They didn't have all the Muslim 
How many of you know when Islam really began to break forth as a major religion? Anybody remember? Somewhere around 600, 639, I think it was, with, uh, with Muhammad specifically. So, so their belief system goes back, though they go back to Abraham. What they generally will tell you is that what we know of modern-day Islam comes from the prophet Muhammad, comes from a vision that he felt like he got from Allah. And so ultimately what it does is it expresses then here it is, and he wrote what is we, we could say is a parallel. I don't want to call it that in the sense it's not equal with the Bible, but it's a for their faith, that's what the Quran is. It's their holy uh, scripture. It's their holy word through the prophet Muhammad. So 639, roughly, 639, um, that's where that comes from. So let me tell you that before those things existed in 55 to 62 is that this was written. Why? Because it's God-breathed. Because God knows what people are going to be like in 2012. See? So here's the thing. Does he know what you're going to be like? Psalm 139 says he knows the word before it's even on your tongue. He knows what it's going to be. He knows what's going to come out of our mouths, doesn't he? That's the greatness of God. He knows it, and he doesn't just silence me. Sometimes I think it'd be better if he just shut my mouth, if he just said, no more voice. Oh, go ahead and sign, windbag. So listen to this. These are the kind of people who smooth talk themselves into the homes of unstable, I'm going to use the word people, and take advantage of them. Depressed by this sinfulness, they take up every new religious fad that calls itself truth. It's the reason for instability in the church is because sometimes we just move by fads. If it's a new song, if it's a new movement, if it's a new way of doing something. And meanwhile, our faith goes way back. Our roots are all the way back to the very beginning. We have every reason for consistency in our lives and in our churches. Instead, we're flitting around all over the place with whatever the newest wind thing was. Serious? And yet we haven't really mastered something like our attitude and our actions. See? We're still a lot like some of those people, addicted to lust. So they get exploited every time, and they never really learn. These, these people are like the old Egyptian fraud, Janus and Jambres, who challenged Moses. They were rejects from the faith, twisted in their thinking, defying truth itself. But nothing will come of these latest imposters. Everyone will see through them, just as people saw through that Egyptian hoax. I just said, here's the deal. I don't have to rail against somebody that's railing against me. Do you know why? Matter of fact, did you see, probably we saw that there was a post on, uh, from His Thousand Hills where somebody was evidently recently was challenging and, and come against some of the, uh, a couple of the ladies in their leadership or in their camp. And so um, Todd Moss had to put out a little thing to let them know that they're going to see these things and, you know, that they're not true and they're unfounded. And why would somebody want to put that stuff out there? People at His Thousand Hills, that's a camp where we take our kids in the summer. Um, we know how humble they are and how humble their, their surroundings are and how hard they work for everything. So exactly, why would somebody want to be bashing on them and slamming them and all this kind of stuff, wanting to bring somebody down? What is that? That's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. You got an issue? Come face to face and talk about it. Re- resolve that issue. It's called reconcile. Don't go around nitpicking and gossiping and all the stuff that's right there in the Scripture. 
And these are people who call themselves Christian. And sometimes, folks, we're guilty of the same thing, including moi. Why? It's because it's easy to get caught up in defending yourself against the barrage sometimes, isn't it? You feel like you ought to defend yourself. Against what? So God has told me many times, you've heard me say it before, it's called moving in the opposite spirit. That is, instead of doing what my flesh wants to do, I move in the opposite spirit. I know that that nothing good will come from it. You know, it's okay to give the flesh. It's necessary to give the flesh a time out every now and then. You just sit there. (laughs) You're not showing up nowhere. I shared a couple uh, couple weeks back. I've been listening to this, this pastor who's talking to doing a teaching about anger. Guess why? Because as passionate as I am, I can also be angry. And you don't want my angry passion. See, God doesn't want my angry passion. There's no justification for that. So here's the deal. What happens is, is this, is this is sister last night who says somebody came to her and just began to talk about some of the things they don't like about Pastor Joel. Wow. I've got a pretty good list just of my own that I made up about me. I thought, I don't need their list. I got my own list. Um, can you do that CNN clip for me? We want you, I just want you to watch this. This was on this week. Um, I, by the way, I watch all the channels I can possibly. I'm not just on CNN. I'm not just on Fox. I'm, I watch them all because what you realize, they all have their own slant. So I just encourage you that way, even if you don't like it. Watch it. That's not the one I want. We're going to use that later on. We're going to give those out later. This is an interview that goes way back to 1970, you'll hear, that this interview, this, this movement started. And I want to tell you there's some inherent good things about it, but it's, it's the way it went about, and that's what I want you to catch, Okay. Ready, go. Technical, okay, we're fine. I'll move on. When we get it, you just let me know and we'll pull it up. Okay, so here the deal is. In Timothy, continuing now, here's what, what I do is I read the whole book. I read everything in First Timothy or Second Timothy from chapter 1 all the way through. Well, guess what we run into down at verses uh, 9 through 18? Uh, I'm going to quicken up here a little bit so I can finish. Make every effort to come to me soon, it says, Paul's still writing. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to all these other places. See? Wow. And then he goes on and he says, Paul, this is the one writing, the inspired word of God. He says, Alexander the coppersmith, coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him for yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. And then he goes on, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. Sometimes as a pastor, that's how you feel. Sometimes as a person, sometimes as a mom, sometimes as a dad, you'll feel like everybody's deserted you. You ever feel like that? You feel like, gosh, somebody, I thought they had my back, and instead they, they, they were the one that was turning the knife. Anybody ever have that in your life? Ouch. So you know what you have to do is you, and as a pastor, you have the potential to offend multiplied. I'm the guy up here telling you all this, see? 
May it not be counted against them, he says. Wow, what a good thing for a pastor to know. What a good thing it is for a Christian to know. Not holding it against people when they act like idiots or windbags or when they do things that are fleshly. Did I say that I word? But the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow, do you get it? I don't need to, you and me pal up and let's take them on, Kev. Rick, join us, man. We're going we're gonna to begin. We're going to begin to gut the people who are against me. Let's rise up. Jay, come on, join my team. We're going to be skinning people, scalping people. We're going to hang their skeletons on the walls of the sanctuary. Those are the ones who opposed me. No, we won't be doing that. Why? By the way, I just gave you a little bit of history. That's exactly what they did with King Saul when he was killed. You know that, don't you? They used to put their little trophies, just like we hang deer heads on the wall and elk and bear and all those other things. So guess what? No, no. That's not what the Lord does. The Lord, you're a trophy of grace. You know what? Though I feel opposition, I'm not going to give in to that. I can't give in to that. Why? Because the minute I do that, I am, I am disqualified from being able to lead the people that I'm supposed to love. I can't allow that to ever happen. So no matter how disgraceful something is, so no matter how vile it is, guess what? He says, he says you... Don't get all riled up in your flesh and take this matters into your own hand. He says, what? Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Now, here's what we add to it. In the New Testament, especially because of grace, I don't want vengeance of God on you. I don't want him to repay you with some, some, some justified stuff that you probably you might even deserve. No, can't do that. You know why? Because that's, that's in opposition to what the Holy Spirit would say. That which is... All the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all those things. Self-control, you know, guess why we have to have it? Because there's a need for it in our lives. Amen? Because people will oppose you. Sometimes they'll oppose you to your face. Sometimes it's just what you hear on the perimeter. Now, though I'm a pastor, I'm telling you, you all got this going on in your lives too, don't you? Little things and little murmurings going around. You ready? Show it. Lynn Povich. That's all right. Move her over. It's what she's saying more than anything else anyway. Scoot over, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so it was 45 women that announced the suit, and it was the day after Newsweek actually published a cover story on feminism that was called Women in Revolt. Tell us about the timing and how you were able to organize those women while well, you worked inside, by the way. We started organizing in the fall, and when Newsweek decided to write this cover story, they had no women on staff to write the story. I was a junior writer, but really not experienced to write a cover story. So they went outside for the first time in their history and hired a freelance woman to write the story. So we decided the day Newsweek appeared on the stands, we would announce our suit because we knew that the publicity would get the editors more, in fact, than the discrimination. We were all researchers. We couldn't get promoted out of the research category, and all the men were writers and reporters. And how were you able to organize all these women while you all worked there? 
we would actually go into the ladies' room, <laughs> the famous organizing place for women, sort of look under the stalls, see who was there, and if no one was there, we'd approach someone at the sink and say, you know, I have to check a story by this guy, and, you know, ugh, it's terrible, or I could do it better. And if they responded, we'd say, you know, we're thinking of doing something to change this. And then we would start reeling people in one by one. So you've come full circle here. What do you think has That's changed good. and what do you think hasn't changed? Did you I hear that? an enormous progress. We would just go to them and we could say, Ugh, we could do a better job. And then when we, when, if, they, if they agreed, then we would begin to reel them in. I'm telling you, if you want to know what a Jezebel spirit looks like or what it is, that's what it is. Because it goes into the secret places, it goes into the places, the shadow places, it goes into the bathroom, it goes into a place where it's concealed and begins to rally people around its own cause and purpose, and it's against some sort of established authority. Now, in this case, 1970, there was a great injustice being done that women weren't being treated with some level of equality and being given the same opportunities. I, I agree with that. The way to go about it isn't that you take it on yourself and begin to devise little ways of manipulating. That's what the Jezebel spirit is, is it manipulation, see? And so manipulating to get your own way, conniving, deceiving, see? And that's exactly, and I thought, here it is. Nobody said anything about it. They're all celebrating this, this thing here. They're, the men were all silent. Well, of course, you can't do that on national TV, it's not, it's not that she didn't deserve the opportunity. It's just the way they went about it. Do you see that if you win by some sort of wicked way and try to pursue something and you get your way, you're really not in a blessed position at all because you, you got that by deceit. You got that by some, somehow defrauding, defiling someone. So I love what Romans 12 says, verse 9. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Listen to this, verse 14. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Do you know what I do as a pastor when I hear things like this? And then it's confirmed by other things. And uh, boy, if I was a pastor, I'd be running the church this way. Boy, if I was a pastor, I'd be doing this. Why doesn't he do that? And guess what that does? When you listen to that, do you know what happens? You take on the offense. And then you begin to diminish. And pretty soon, even though you didn't have an issue with that person, you begin to take an issue. You know why? Because the Bible says dissension breeds or begets dissension. It's the principle of the law of sowing and reaping. So when you begin to sow discord, guess what happens? It begins to take life and flight, and it begins to travel. It's like cross-pollinating. Rick, you just told me that about your trees, didn't you? You got some trees somewhere that weren't bearing any fruit, and what did you say you did? You put another tree down there so that they would, they would help 
pollinate each other, I guess. Is that cross-pollination, Mel? Pursue? Is that what that is? Where they go from, there's more than itself. We can exist in ourselves, but now all of a sudden bearing no fruit, bring another thing next to it that's, that's a, a, a kindred spirit, and you can now bear some fruit. Boy, what a good word for the church. We need to come together, and when there's something that evil represents that which should never be grafted in, a vile word, some sort of thing that's saying, hey, it might be a very true statement. The issue is, is that if you got something that you can bring that is part of the solution, then bring it, but bring it to me. See? Don't sit there nitpicking on the outside, and, you know, that's some sort of coward's way, isn't it? Not standing face to face. That's not the way my daddy told me to fight my battles. He said, you be a man. Well, as a Christian, we do it in love. We should confront. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. I don't have the time to go into the rest of it. I I can tell you that I've got Mark chapter 7. I want to give you as a reference. It's also on your bulletin there. It's a great one where it talks about the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're saying, you know, here they are. They're not honoring the Sabbath and they're doing all these things and they're not hand washing before they eat. And they're just challenging Jesus. They're just being nitpicky. And then listen to this in verse 5. Why don't your disciples follow our age old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand washing ceremony. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. Well, do you know what's happening? Instead of going to the disciples and saying, hey, why aren't you guys honoring the time old tradition of hand washing? What are they doing? Why don't your disciples do this? See, that's that back, back, backbiting. That's that kind of stuff that was happening. And then you know how Jesus ends it up in the end of it. What does he say? Don't you know that it's not what goes into the person? He actually gives a very good little uh, science uh, uh, what is it? For digestion. He gives the whole thing, a little, little teaching on digestion. Don't you know that the food doesn't go to the heart? It goes into the stomach and then is passed. He said, it's not what goes into the man that defiles the man. It's what comes out of the man that defiles the man. Do you know why we have some limited results in the kingdom of God in churches all around America? Because we got a little problem with our tongue. We got a problem with our attitude. We got a problem with that when people begin to talk about things that don't grow up, edify, build, strengthen, we listen to it and thereby we're defiled and we allow somebody else to defile themselves. And if you're a real friend and if you're a real lover of Jesus, what you ought to start doing when that crap starts happening, you need to say, stop it. That's not acceptable. That's a child of God. That's a fellow believer. Stop it. Because you know what happens? You'll end up like that other person that just says, I can't do church anymore. Because I'm tired of the backbiting and infighting. I'm tired of everybody telling us how they think church ought to be. I have no peace at church, and that's what I ought to have when I go to church. I ought to be able to have this connection and hear an encouraging message. I ought to be able to engage God. Instead, I got people running around trying to grab me and get me over to their side. What is that? And then we wonder, why are there sick among us? And why aren't things going so well in our lives? Because God's not going to bless that mess. He'll go out just because of his kindness. He'll do some things. He'll have his way. But boy, how much more. He says in Psalm 133, what is it? 
Blessed are those who dwell together in unity. Folks, we have all kinds of things that we can be different about, different approaches, different ideals, different things. But one thing that we've got as common, and that is Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Jesus. It's what we've got to all suppress our flesh, and we have to bring that into, into to this place of saying, I'm not giving you the opportunity. Remember that? Go ahead and pull our picture back up there for me, would you? Remember that? Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs. He's seen as a threat, and so that's a restraining mask. It's just meant to shut him up. Folks, some of us need to have that. Matter of fact, I got one, don't I? No, this is just this is just for it's just for a dog, isn't it? Vicious dog. How many of you are vicious dogs when you're outside of church? You know some vicious dogs you work with? They're vile. They cuss, they slander, they say G D, J C. They use all kinds of name of God in vain. And you kind of feel like a, give me one of those. I'd like to put strap that on somebody. Well, guess what? You're not going to wrestle them down to the ground and do that. That's not, that's exact opposite behavior I'm talking about. But how about being able to go to them, not in the midst of the crowd when they're there doing it, and go to them and say, hey, Shelly, you're a glorious um, saint of God, and you've got a whole lot of good in you. But every now and then, I see some stuff in you that is just ugly and pukey. And I know that's not who you want to be. And so I want to help you. But like there, you got caught up in this, and then you started to go there with your own little dirty joke. And I just want you to, if, if I step on your toe, is there a signal I can give you to help you, to pull you out of that place when you go there? Tell me what I can do to help you so you don't go there. Because I know it grieves you because I've seen you at the altar at church. So I know that you're responsive to the Holy Spirit, and I just want to help you walk so that you're not defiled, and then you don't become somebody who defiles others. So tell me what I can do when we're in those situations. Do you know that that will do more than all your righteous ranting and raving, than all your self-righteous proclamations and your declarations of your own life and goodness? If you'll just be real with somebody and come alongside and say, hey, we probably have a common struggle here because I go there too. So how can I help you? I'm not just slamming you to slam you. I'm coming to you because I believe in you and I I want you to have the benefit. I want you to have the victory. And you know what? As I'm helping you, I'm getting help somehow because I'm convicted. If I'm going to be a model, I've got to live a life. If I'm going to try to speak to you, I've got to live that life myself. Do you see how good that is? Let me see how I end this mess. Let's refer back to your bulletin, if you would. I just asked a couple questions. I answered my own. I'm going to share my answer with you, okay? By the way, Colleen, you did exactly the right thing. When you posted, you said, I asked for your grace. I'm having a tough day. And do you know what? Every one of us could echo that in any given time, couldn't we? I just asked for your grace. I'm having a tough time. In Psalm 34, 13 and 14, I think we have that scripture. Worship team, you can come on up. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Verse 14 says, Depart from evil and do good. 
Seek peace and pursue it. That's what muzzling your flesh would be like. So here's what it says. In what area of your life do you continue to see or experience folly? You know my answers? I'm going to share them as we close. Lack of, quote, greater works. Jesus says greater works will you do than, than what you've seen because I go to the Father. The folly I see in my life is the lack of greater works. Limited fruit. I think I ought to be producing more fruit as a pastor. I think I ought to be seeing more people getting saved and baptized and delivered. I should be seeing more people being discipled. That's personal. That's me. I, I'm the same. I, I, I do the same thing as that I sometimes sow discord. I'll run off at my mouth about situations and things. And so we're sitting there and pretty soon, and, and I, every now and then the Holy Spirit, most of the time, but I can say every now and then he doesn't. I'm not convicted by it because I'm just on a roll. But he'll, he'll come up and say, is that you? What spirit is that? Come on down to the bottom. It says in Galatians 5, You've been called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The sermon title today is Self-Serve or Serving the King. Folks, you always got to remember, you got to decrease and he's got to increase. This isn't about you, it's about serving the king. What does your flesh crave and like to feast on the most? What is your flesh appetite? It says... The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. That's what happens when we give in to that and we begin to tear down and destroy. Where is it going to stop? And what are we modeling for those around us who, who witness it and see it? So I'm not just calling off the dogs from Pastor Joel. I'm calling off the dogs from being dogs at all. I'm calling us to a place of pursuing peace, of having the fruit of our lips that builds up and edifies and strengthens, that we don't take matters into our own hands trying to get our own way. We're mad and we lash out at somebody. Stop it. God says he knows, and don't you ever get convicted? Here's what I know is if I get convicted, that same God is going to convict somebody else. I can trust him to do the same thing with them that he did with me. And I'll wait until he does. Meanwhile, bless and curse not. What is your flesh appetite? Commentary. Being a critic. Oh, yeah, I got something to say about everything. Every football play, every... It doesn't matter. Sports I don't even follow. I got something to say. So what? Don't be a windbag. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, if we want heaven to come down, then we better be, we better be in a place of giving you something that, that you really can't, you can't help but come down into. I know sometimes you don't want to bless the mess, and so you stand just, just on the flank saying, would you, would you open the door and let me in? Well, the, I thought the door was open. Well, you closed the door. The minute you began to go there, you closed the door. So, would you let me open that door again? Now, keep it open and be reminded 
every time you want to go into that vile stuff, I, the Lord, am in your presence. I am an ever-present help in your time of need. Don't push me aside to embrace that flesh. Step on the flesh. Let my spirit breathe on you. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. Come down, O King. Maybe some of you would would put your hand on your heart if that's where you're finding your turmoil. It's about bosses. It's about life. It's about jobs. It's about people. It's about parents. It's about grandparents. It's about children. What are you railing about? What are you going off all the time bad attitude about? How are you destroying and tearing down? Including our president, our country, Muslims, whoever. Stop it. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's your brain. You think you're so smart. I bet you think this song is about you. You're so vain. Maybe it's your tongue. Yep, loose lips sink ships. The power of the word. I will bless. I will bless. I will strengthen. I will. Father, I pray for you to help us. And I want to pray for that sister who told me that she's not going to church, that God... I believe we helped a little bit just through that dialogue because I didn't take up that offense. I know about it, but it's okay. (laughs) I might be offended by me too if I had to listen to me. Father, thank you that I'm not following and pursuing people. I'm pursuing you. I'm trying to lead people. So help and teach me to be a better leader. Help me to be a better pastor and shepherd. Help me to be a better man in every way, husband and father, friend. I pray that for all of us, God, that in our pursuit of you, that you'll help us to find you. Help us to honor you with our lives. Everything that we say, that we do, everything that we even think and consider, let it be a fresh touch upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, Jesus.